0: Amen. Well, thank you, church, uh, for proving that the church is more than a building. Thank you for showing that everyone matters. Thank you for loving, serving, helping, telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. Because everyone truly does matter to God. I'm Pastor Steve. If you're joining for us for the first time, we have been walking through the book of Nehemiah. We've been focusing on how. Nehemiah followed God's plan in a very challenging time in Israel's history. And if you missed either one of the previous two messages, uh, and you actually want to hear them, uh, you can listen to the podcast from our website at newstandchurch.com or find those videos on Facebook. So this morning, we're going to look at how Nehemiah led through resistance to the plans that God placed On his heart. Unfortunately, if you start to lean into the plan of God for your life, you can expect resistance. Something will go wrong. Someone will give you a hard time. They'll tell you that you're crazy or that the plan is unrealistic, and on and on and on. But be encouraged because even Jesus faced resistance when he followed God's plan for his life. Look at Matthew 13 with me. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown, where he taught there in the synagogue. Everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. It's a shame, but sometimes the greatest resistance you will face comes from those who are closest to you. These folks knew Jesus. They knew his past. They knew his roots. They knew his family. They were so familiar with who they thought Jesus was, they refused to see him as more than just a carpenter. A rabbi? Are you kidding me? A prophet? You must be joking. The Messiah? you can't be serious. He's a dude that swings a hammer. Nothing more. You may face resistance as you lean into God's plan for your life. Someone might say, who do you think you are? You grew up down the street from me, or you struggled to get C's in high school. Now you think you're so smart, you're following God, and you're gonna tell me how to live my life right. Or, you know what, just stop. We used to party together, I know who you really are. You've got plans from God, sure. You'll face resistance from people, often the people who are closest to you. But you also have a very real spiritual enemy that opposes the plans of God in your life. Look at John 10:10 10, 10 with me. Jesus describes the enemy and his goal and he calls him a thief. He says, "The thief comes only to kill and to destroy." That's right. God doesn't like the enemy doesn't like God's plan in your life. "I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." But God's plans for you are good. The enemy doesn't like them, but God's plans for you are good. Nehemiah's resistance came from a man by the name of Sambalat, a man by the name of Tobiah, and a man by the name of Geshem. And we'll get to that more in a moment. But first, uh, in case you're joining us for the first time, let me kind of bring you up to speed with where we are at in the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, an Israelite, found out that his people were struggling to reestablish themselves in Jerusalem, which was 764 and a half miles from where he was at, serving as the cupbearer to the king of Persia. But when he heard the news, he wept and he prayed and he decided to act and follow God's plan. He prayed for four months and then he presented an action plan to the king. God's favor was on Nehemiah and it pleased the king to send Nehemiah to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. When Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, he shared God's plan and he told the people how clearly God's hand was in this work and they excitedly started the good work Together, That's a, a quick summary of where, where we're at. When we get to chapter 3, you get a sense, you get a picture, a snapshot of how excited everyone was. This was an all-hands-on-deck construction project. Nehemiah tells us that goldsmiths and perfume makers... <laughs> We're building a wall. Now, I can't imagine that a goldsmith or a perfume maker had much construction experience, but this was an all-hands-on-deck project. Nehemiah names those who are working. He names those who are working in front of their homes on the wall. He makes special note of everyone that put a gate in place, or the doors on the hinges around the city. And the work is going so well. But as soon as they started the work, the resistance started as well. In fact, in verse 18, Nehemiah says, and we began the good work. Look at verse 19. But when Samballat the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official and Gresham, the Arab heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, You have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Whenever you start following God's plan for your life, you will meet resistance. Let's jump over to chapter 4 because literally chapter 3 is like a who did what list. Nehemiah 4 verses 1 through 3. When Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. And he was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish it in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, Who was at his side said, What they're building, even a fox climbing on it would break down their walls of stone. These men are mocking the Jews' desire to reclaim their identity in Jerusalem. The Samaritans, just for information, the Samaritans and the Ammonites were not friends of the Israelites. They're, they're describing the work as impossible. They're saying their efforts thus far are absolutely useless. In reality, Samballot and Tobiah are threatened by what it might mean if the Jews succeed for them personally. And I want you to, want you to hear me this morning. Some people will see you trying to live into God's plan for your life. And they will undermine you because your success would make them look bad or convict them. If you can get out of debt by handling money God's way, then they could too. If you can go back to school and follow God's plan for your life, then their excuses are invalid. If God blesses you as you start a relationship with Jesus and heals your marriage, sets you free from some anxiety, or brings a joy into your life that was not present before, well, then they can't continue to tell you that God is a myth. But if you give up, if you slip back into old habits... If they can distract you, then they can say, see, I told you this Jesus stuff was just useless. One of the things that impresses me with Nehemiah, as I read the book, is he doesn't really spend a whole lot of time answering his enemies. And I think that's a huge takeaway from the book of Nehemiah and from Nehemiah's life. Most of the time, jot this down or commit this to memory, most of the time, it is better not to answer those who oppose your following God's plan. Because in all likelihood, you are not going to change their view at all. In fact, doing so, opposing them, answering their insults, often fuels their fire. They're like, oh, I'm getting to them now. And they double their efforts. Expending energy, answering those telling you not to follow God's plan, is wasted energy. Let me say that again because that's good. Expending energy, answering those telling you not to follow God's plan for your life, is wasted energy. Instead, use that energy following God's plan. Double your efforts pursuing Jesus. It is much more productive. Stay the course. Don't let the haters distract you. Those voices that oppose you are, I admit, are much more challenging when those people are like your people, right? When it's family, when it's friends, when someone you know and love is criticizing you for following God, that knife cuts deeper. That's why it's so important, like we talked last week, for, for you to know exactly what it is that God is calling you to do. His plan, if you can boil it down to one or two clear sentences, if you can boil it down to one or two sentences, you can hold on to that, and there is less of a chance that someone will cut you to the heart and distract you from the plan if you know clearly what God is calling you to do. As we work through this book, we'll see that time after time, as the resistance heats up, Nehemiah keeps working the plan that God called him to. Now, some people gauge their success on whether they have praise or criticism for their course of action. They're listening to people, not listening to God. When I first started ministry, it was so hard for me to see attendance go like up and down And when attendance would go down, when when church attendance was down, or not as many youth would come to youth group, like, I would deal with anxiety. And and I took criticism really, really personally. I lost way too much sleep worrying what other people thought. Maybe some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. On the live stream, you can say, amen, like, I'm there with you. Over the years, I have learned you cannot let praise go to your head or criticism, go to your heart. If you faithfully follow God's plan for your life, his favor will be on you. All you have to do, resistance or not, is stay the course and follow his plan. At, at 49 years old now, his approval and his favor is all that I seek. And it's a good thing because like, I'm preaching to the praise team <laughs> and an empty room. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because God's plan is for us to follow and seek Jesus together. Livestream camera or not. Amen. Nehemiah does what all of us should do in the face of resistance. He prays. And this is his prayer. Look at Nehemiah 4, 4 through 9. Hear us, our God, for we are despised Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sin from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till, it, till all of it reached half its height, which is about 20 feet, by the way. For the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ash had heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone on ahead, that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry, and they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God, and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. I love that Nehemiah and all the people, they prayed, they sought God, and they kept working until half the wall was completed. But you know what? They didn't get distracted. They just kept at the work. There there wasn't time for them to get distracted. Remember, Nehemiah had set a date. He told the king, like, I'll be back to be your cupbearer at this date. I can't get sidetracked by distractions. I love Nehemiah's leadership because Nehemiah was two things. He was deeply spiritual, but he was also extremely practical. He prayed, and he kept working, but he also posted a guard It was almost like Nehemiah was saying to the resistance, you want to fight? Well, we'll be ready for a fight then, but we're not going to stop praying, and we're not going to stop working, because that's God's plan. Nehemiah exemplifies this phrase, pray like everything depends on God. And work like everything depends on you. Man, that will preach. We need God to guide us every step of the way as we follow his lead. But we also need God to show up for for our protection. But we also need to be practical in how we respond to the leading of God. If, If God didn't want you to work his plan, he would have called somebody else to do it. If God wanted somebody else to work the plan, he would have broken someone else's heart, but he broke yours. Somebody this morning has been sitting on the plans that God has for you. Instead of getting to work, you've been listening to those voices, you've been worrying about the resistance, and you know you know who you are. God wants you to lean in and stop listening to those voices. He intends to bless you as you follow his plan. But until you know what God's calling you to do, and until you take steps in that direction, you will just be frustrated, waiting. Well, in spite of prayer and the added assurance of the guard, the stress and the workload start to take its toll on the workers in Judea. Look at Nehemiah 4, 10 through 15. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. They're getting overwhelmed. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, whenever you turn, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some people, stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall each To our own work. Again, I I love this. I love how Nehemiah he he lifts the people's eyes from the rubble, from all those burned-out rocks, and he calls them from that rubble to remember their God. Nehemiah is working with a group of people that have just returned from exile because of their sin. They need. To remember their great and awesome God. They need to remember how God has come through for them in the past. Because if they don't learn that lesson right now, it doesn't matter how high those walls are, they're going to be right back in the same predicament that sent them into exile. The temple and all the rituals and the sacrifices won't please God if they don't learn to trust him and humble themselves before him. Look at Psalm 51. David says this beautifully. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You don't delight in sacrifices or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. They got in this mess because they strayed. It was time to come home and renew their trust in their God. Very practically, Nehemiah made the work personal. He had the people work for their families, their kids and be prepared to fight for them, to to build the wall. Instead of looking at the rubble, it was too big of a task. But when they looked at their families, no work was too great. There was not any sacrifice they wouldn't make. As you lean into the plans of God, you will face resistance, and most of the time, it's better if you don't even respond. But just keep working the plan that God placed on your life and in your heart. As you work and as you pray, learn maybe in fresh new ways that you can trust God. Maybe it's time for you to come home to a relationship with God, to circle back after you've strayed because he is the great and awesome God. He can part a sea. He can heal the blind. He can make a way where there seems to be absolutely no way but he's also close to the brokenhearted. He is a God of compassion. He will comfort you as you face resistance. Look at 2 Corinthians 1 with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we too can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort of we ourselves have received from God God has a plan for your life and it always 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 involves you blessing other people and as you follow his plan the greater the resistance the greater the opportunity becomes for God to be all that you need make that part of your story and share and encourage others to walk into God's plan for their life Nehemiah, the deeply spiritual and extremely practical leader, says, remember the Lord your God and do not be afraid. And pick up a sword. (laughs) Notice the Israelites don't go looking for a fight. They, They kept their focus on God's plan, building the wall. But if someone brought the fight to them, they were armed. Now, That'll preach, but some of you might not like it. So I'll just say this. Stay on track with God's plan for your life because it is worth fighting for. Amen? Giving up, getting distracted, stopping because you're afraid or letting the resistance get you off track. Never. Don't give up. Remember the Lord your God. So the question is, what is it? What is God calling you to lean into this morning? I I actually want you to take a step of faith this morning and on the live stream feed, post it, name it. Name, whether it's a a sentence or, or two, name what God is calling you to live into. Name his good plans for you this morning. Maybe it's getting out of debt or maybe it's, restoring a relationship or maybe he's calling you to start some kind of a ministry or uh, adopt or foster a child see a loved one through an illness I don't know what it is but but post it put it down in writing for everyone to see forget the naysayers and the voices of doubt even in your own head it's too hard who do you think you are no Write it down, God has plans for you. My guess is you share those plans, you will be an encouragement to someone else who has been hesitant to walk into God's plans for them. So let's pray this morning. God, I wanna give you thanks for your people and for the plans that you have for us. And God, I know even now somebody's typing something that they have never told anyone before. And it scares them to death to actually put it in writing. But God, you are the great and mighty God. You you healed the blind. You restored the sight of those who couldn't see. You made the lame walk. You raised the dead. There's nothing that's impossible for you. So, God, we're going to walk into the plans that you have for us, believing, God, that you can accomplish even more than we ever thought possible, trusting you because you love us enough to send your son. So, God, we rest in you and we'll work and stay at the plan in Jesus' name.